0: All right. Uh, praise the Lord, everybody. Um, I told y'all uh that I had a surprise for y'all today. Uh initially, I was not gonna be here. Um, but but that event got postponed. So I'm here, uh, but I'm not taking away taking away the surprise. So I'm super excited. We're gonna continue in our Why Me series, uh, while we go through storms. Um, but tonight is going to be a little bit different uh, because to the Abundant Faith family, this is a very familiar face. Uh, as a matter of fact, around the city, uh, this is a very familiar face. Outside of this city is a very familiar face. Uh, but tonight, uh, my big brother, uh, Pastor Kendall Wyatt, he's going, he's going to teach Bible study tonight for me, uh, for us. And I'm going to be sitting right here with y'all. I'm taking notes just like y'all are. All right, so um we're gonna jump right i'm a I'm gonna kind of let him do his thing uh as if I wasn't here. he can do it however he wants to do it as if I wasn't here, so I know y'all in y'all living rooms and y'all's cars and all of that good stuff, but even where you are right now, just just give a holy ghost clap for Pastor Kendall Wyatt so he can come and teach the word tonight all right Good evening, everyone.
1: Good evening, everyone. Um, I want to thank uh, Pastor Bartlett for an opportunity to share with you guys tonight. Um, He told me about the series that you guys are in, and um, I'm hoping to share some truths out of God's Word uh, that are in line with what you all have been studying, um, the Why Me series. Um, And he was telling me that uh, you all dealt with um, sometimes why God allows us to go through storms. And I think you guys dealt with Jonah, and I talked to Pastor Bartlett today about some of the um, some of the points that he hit in that text. And um, those of you that were those of you that were watching um, his Bible study uh, about Jonah, you know that there are some really powerful. Uh, points that he brought out about Jonah. And I'm hoping to um, connect to some of the things that he had already been teaching. Uh, and um, and so I want you, uh, those of you that are watching, before we go to Bible study, let's pray. Right, let's pray first before we start Bible study. God, we thank you and bless you for this day. Thank you for your mercy, your kindness, and your goodness. God, thank you for all that you have done for us this week so far. Um, god we invite you into this place we invite you into this space uh god we pray that you'll come into this time of study uh this time of of study for us god reveal yourself to us in, a, in in a powerful way god we pray that something will be said or done that will cause us to be encouraged to cause us to be enlightened so that we can move forward uh god i pray that you'll bless every person that will see this bible study those that are watching live and those that will watch later god i pray that you will bless them uh, and give them all that they need. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Those of you that are uh, with this uh, Bible study tonight, why don't you get your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read a little bit, and then we'll go back and point um, out a few things uh, in the text uh, tonight. Um, To to keep in line with what you all have been studying, the Why Me series uh, here at Abundant Faith, um, and uh, to stay in line with um, what you began dealing with last week about why do we go through storms? So why me, and why do I have to go through storms? Um, Well, I believe that God allows us to go through storms sometimes because he wants to reveal himself to us. That he because because God wants to reveal himself. Those of you that are going to take notes, you might want to write this down. Why do we go through storms? Underneath that, right? Because God wants to reveal himself in storms. Right. And we're going to talk about four ways that Jesus revealed himself uh, in Matthew chapter 14 when the disciples were in the middle of their of their own personal storm. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start at verse number 22. If you are watching live on Facebook, would you do me a favor and be a class participant and and say amen, say something, y'all, like, share, do something so we know that you're there. Um, But this is what uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says. It says, uh, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the sea while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat that the disciples were on was in the middle of the sea in the middle of the night In the middle of a storm. Did you catch that? The boat that the disciples were in was in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them at about six o'clock in the morning. Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They started yelling, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is me, it's Jesus, don't be afraid. Then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Verse number 29, then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he saw the waves churning beneath his feet, He became afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse number 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Um, I want to point a few things out in this uh, text. Why me? Why do I have to go through storms? I believe in this text, in Matthew chapter 14 in general, I believe Jesus is trying to reveal himself to his disciples in ways that that he's never revealed himself to them before in matthew chapter 14 if you go to the top of matthew chapter 14 what you'll find is that jesus gets word that his cousin john the baptist has been beheaded by herod and so jesus uh jesus performed some miracles on one side of the sea of galilee they crossed the sea of galilee to the other side of the sea of galilee and the people from the early service they followed him to an afternoon service and when he got off the boat the Bible says in uh, in Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus is laying hands on them. He's healing the sick. He was moved by the people's relentless pursuit of him. He was moved by the fact that people were relentlessly pursuing him, that they would come from one side of the sea to this side of the sea. And so Jesus took some time, even though he had just found out that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded by Herod, Jesus and Jesus was grieving Jesus still took time to minister to those who were standing around, um, and I don't want you to take this lightly. That John the Baptist was the first, the first he was the excuse me the second cousin of Jesus. Um, Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, and Elizabeth was the cousin of Mary, who is Jesus' mother. And if you remember when uh, when Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost. That Mary went to her cousin, uh, uh, she went to her cousin's house, and she told her cousin that she was uh, going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And in his mother's womb, John leaped at the sound of the name of Jesus in his mother's womb. As soon as John heard the name Jesus, he leapt in his mother's womb. John had a prophetic, very powerful and prophetic ministry in which he was baptizing people for the sake of repentance. He was out in the wilderness with the crazy hair, eating the locusts and wild honey. He was he was crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was setting the stage for Jesus. John the Baptist was the one who handed the ministry mantle from the prophets to Jesus. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. John the Baptist had a very significant relationship with Jesus. So you could imagine that when Jesus is hearing about the fact that John the Baptist, the one that baptized him, the one that said, the one that said, um, "I baptize you with with water unto repentance," but there's one coming after me. He's gonna baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. You could imagine that 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 Jesus, this unique relationship with John the Baptist, hearing about his cousin being beheaded, that Jesus must have been emotionally distraught over that. But even after he hears about, uh, even after he hears about his cousin John the Baptist being beheaded, which by the way. John was beheaded because he was speaking out about an extramarital affair in the family of Herod. Herod was trying to sleep with his brother's, his brother Philip. He was trying to sleep with Philip's wife, Herodias, and so Herodias, um, uh, Herodias felt disrespected by John. And at Herod's birthday, uh, Herodias had her had her daughter Salome had her daughter dance for Herod. It was a strip dance, right? She stripped for Herod. And when she danced for him, she put it on Herod so bad that the man said, I'll give you whatever, I'll give you anything you want, including half of this kingdom. I'll give you whatever you want up to half of this kingdom. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I ain't never came across a lap dance that was worth half of any of what I got. But apparently, Solomay put a lap dance on Herod so bad. Now, keep in mind, this is his niece, she puts a lap dance on the man so bad, thank you, bro. She put a lap dance on the man so bad that he offered her half of his kingdom, and that's a bad lap dance right there. If that's if that's if 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 you're gonna give up half of everything you got over a lap dance, well, that's a pretty solid lap dance. And so, uh, so Herod asked, Herod asked Solomay, who just gave him that lap dance. He says, "What? I'll give you anything." up to and up to half of this kingdom. And so Solomay went to her mom, Herodias, and said, I can get half of the kingdom. Herodias says, no, you tell your uncle Herod that you want the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter in this room. They went into a jail cell, beheaded the man of God, cut his head off, and brought his head shamefully into a room full of sinners. That's how John the Baptist died. He died standing on godly principles. And just let me just say this in passing, that you ought to be willing to die for godly principles, even if it costs you your head, because history will record that you stood on godly principles, even though it cost you your head. You got to be willing to sacrifice some things sometimes for godly principles. So Jesus hearing the news about John the Baptist, you could imagine that Jesus was heartbroken in Matthew chapter 14, not so much because Uh, that fact that John died, but it was how John died that probably had Jesus the most messed up. But as you move your way through um, Matthew chapter 14, you get to verse 13. Jesus, while grieving his cousin, John the Baptist, he feeds five thousand with a little boy's lunch with two fish and five loaves of bread, which is another reason why I want to park right there for a minute, that if you're going through something, that it is at your lowest times that you are the that you are. A prime candidate to be used by God, because here is Jesus going through one of the most difficult times of his life, losing his forerunner, losing his cousin, losing his homeboy to murder by the king, innocently killed by a politician. But Jesus still had enough understanding of what his purpose was, y'all, to feed 5000 people, even though he was grieving and that's what you have to do sometimes. I'm just parenthetically asserting this that sometimes you have to just go on ahead and continue ministering, go on ahead and continue serving, even though you're grieving, because it is, it is in the lowest times like that when you feel you are broken, is when God can get the most glory out of you. As you move through Matthew chapter 14, Jesus feeds the 5,000. <clears> excuse me. And when you get to Matthew chapter uh, 14, verse 22, Where our text picks up, the Bible says that after Jesus feeds the 5,000, that he disperses the crowd. He, He tells the crowd to go home. He disperses the crowd. He sends them home. He sends them away. And then he tells the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He says, get in the boat, go across the sea. Now, after he sends them across the sea, Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray. He goes up to up to the mountain to pray. Now keep in mind, he found out about the death of John the Baptist early on in Matthew chapter 14. But Jesus kept ministering to those who needed healing, who needed deliverance. He kept ministering. And then even after he ministered all, ministered to all those people, he then turned around and fed all of them. Jesus never got an opportunity to grieve. But I want to encourage somebody that might be dealing with some grieving right now. And and maybe, and maybe the reason why you haven't had a chance to really grieve like you need to is because everybody else is looking to you for strength. Maybe you are the patriarch of your family. Maybe you are the matriarch of your family. Maybe you are the big sister of your siblings or the big brother of your siblings, or maybe you the one that got all the money in your family and every time somebody has trouble, they come knocking on your door. But you haven't had a chance to grieve certain things because everyone is constantly But if everybody, excuse me, everyone's constantly pulling on you. But if you look at what Jesus did in this text, Jesus did his job. He served those that need to be served. But then he still took some time for himself. And what he did was he didn't take some time for himself and run to a bottle and and drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels. He took some time for himself to go up into the mountain and pray you are the person in your family, in your business, that in your church, in your community that people look to, they look to you for strength, and you're dealing with something you haven't had an opportunity to really grieve something or to move past something, I would encourage you to steal away and spend some time alone with God in prayer. My grandmother used to sing a song that said, just a little talk with Jesus, tell him all about your trouble. He'll hear your faintest cry. He'll answer by and by feel a little prayer wheel turning. I know a fire's burning, but just a talk with Jesus makes everything all right. And if that's where you are, won't you take some time to get away from everybody and everything and go up on a mountaintop and talk to God Your bedroom can be a mountaintop. Your bathtub can be a mountaintop. Why don't you pour yourself a warm bath and just sit there and just talk to God in the bathtub or go for a walk through the park and talk to God? Spend time with God because even though Jesus is the God man, Jesus still understood that he had to take time for himself. Don't let people deplete you, don't let people take all of your strength away. You go on ahead and serve them to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. But then after you do that, take some time for you to spend time with God. So as you move through uh, Matthew chapter 14, Jesus sends the crowd away. He sends the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus goes up in the mountain to pray to be alone with God. And watch this. The Bible says uh, the Bible says, verse 22, let's look at verse Matthew chapter uh, 14, verse 22. Look at verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Watch this. Later that night, he was alone. Verse 24, and the boat that the disciples were on was already in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night. In the middle of a storm. Did you hear what I said? That the boat that the disciples were on was in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. And I don't know about you, but that's where God puts us sometimes. He He notice what Jesus did. Jesus sent them directly into a storm. He sent specific instructions knowing the god part of him knew that they were going to run into a storm but he sent them out there anyway and look where the disciples are they are in the middle of something deep in the in the they're they're in the middle of something deep they're in the middle of something dark and now a storm has blown in now that's a bad combination but Why do I have to go through storms? Why did Jesus send his disciples? And this is where we're going to park for about 20 minutes and we'll be done. Why would Jesus send his disciples into the middle of a storm? Because haven't you asked yourself that question before? Haven't you asked yourself now, God, why did you send me it? Now, you know, now, Lord, I know you told me to do this. I know you told me to make this move. I know you told me to to quit this job and start this business. I know you told me to. I know you told me to go on ahead and try to work this thing out with my marriage. I know you said all that to me. Why am I going through this? If this and this is what we do sometimes, y'all. Sometimes we will confuse the storms that God allows us to, to come in contact with the storms that God allows us to go through. We confuse that with God never telling us to go. We think because the because the Bible does say that the blessings of God make rich and add no sorrow that we think that we'll never have that 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 I can't that it can't be that the Lord told me to marry this person because we keep going through trouble. It can't be that the Lord told me to start this business because I'm having trouble paying the bills in my house. And we and we automatically think that just because we run into trouble that God's hand is not on it. But that's not necessarily true. Because in Matthew chapter 14, he sent his disciples knowingly into the middle of a storm. He knew they were going to encounter a storm. God knows sometimes when he sends you, he knows that you're going to run into difficult situations. But he sends you out there anyway. Why does he do that, Kendall? Why would God send me into a storm knowingly? Because he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal you. There's there's certain ways. That God reveals himself to us that he cannot reveal to us when we're not in a storm. Think about the time when Jesus was on the boat and the the storm blew in and the storm was tossing them to and fro. And and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus was in the bow of the ship sleep. And they woke him up. They said, Lord, don't you care that we're going to (laughs) perish? Don't you care that we're going to sink? Well Jesus wanted to reveal something to them. He wanted to reveal to them the side of him that can tell the wind and the waves to stop blowing. Now that's a bad boy. But the only way you're going to know that Jesus can tell wind and waves to stop, the only way you're going to know that Jesus can command the storm to stop is if you're in the middle of a storm with Jesus on the boat. In this text, Jesus is trying to show them another aspect of who he is in times of storm. So why am I going through this storm? Those of you that are taking notes, why am I going through storms? Let's start here. Why me is the theme of this of this series that that Pastor Bartlett is on. Why me? Last week, he talked about why do I have to go through storms? And we are piggybacking on that. The first reason why God takes you through storms is because he want, he wants to reveal something to you. Now watch this. In this text, What God wanted, what the first thing that God wanted to reveal to them in this text is that he will come to your rescue. They're taking notes. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal to you that he will come to your rescue. Now, notice where Jesus is when the disciples are in the middle of something deep, in the middle of something dark and a storm blows in. He's up in the mountain praying. But look what the Bible says, <clears throat> verse number twenty-four. It says, "And the boat was already, uh, already in the middle of the sea, and it, and the storm had blown in, and the wind was coming against them." Now watch this, verse twenty-five. Jesus, around six a.m., comes walking on the water to them. In the middle of their storm, Jesus stopped what he was doing. Jesus was up in the mountain. Talking to God about what he's going about, what he's personally going through. Jesus is up in the mountain talking to God, but when he saw that his disciples were in trouble, he came from where he was to where they are. And that's something about that's an attribute about God that you can only learn in a storm that God will come to the rescue. If you think about the times that you have been in trouble in your life. That you didn't think he was going to make it. You didn't know how you was going to make it. You didn't, see, you didn't see the next open door. You had no idea. How is this going to work for my good? But all of us just out of somewhere. How? I don't know. But God does his thing and it works for your good. Because God can only reveal to you that he will come to your rescue when you're in storms. So that's the first thing he wanted to show them in this text. That he will come to your rescue. The sex. The second thing he wanted to show them is that he will change reality. He'll change your reality. Watch this. Let me, let me prove it to you. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, watch this, walking on water. <laughs> Jesus was trying to prove to them that when you are facing storms in your life, I will flip reality on its head to make sure that you get the victory. And you don't believe me. Well, how many times have you gone in to buy a car and you know good and daggone well you didn't qualify for that loan? You don't qualify for that loan. And they gave it to you. You was like, they they gave it a loan. They gave it to me. You know good and well your credit is terrible. You got 560 credit and they gave you a car. And you walked out of there driving a car. You know you didn't qualify for that. Because God will take reality and he'll flip it on top of his head. Look what Jesus is doing, y'all. Water is not designed to, it, it doesn't function like a sidewalk. But because Jesus wanted to reveal something to his friends, he let them go through the storm so that he can reveal to them, not only will I come to your rescue, not only will I come to your rescue, but I'll change your reality too. Because the reality is that sitting in the middle of the sea and here comes Jesus walking on water like it's a sidewalk that's the god you serve you really ought to stop worrying so much about the things you go through and i wish i i, I wish i had a room full cuz i'd probably preach right here you really ought to stop worrying about the stuff you go through because god will move heaven and hell he'll move things around he'll he'll tell a mountain to jump from there and cast itself into the sea he he God will change reality, and I know you don't believe me, but watch this. He changed reality when the children of Israel got to the Red Sea. They got to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is closing in, and and, and Moses stretches out his staff, and God changes reality. God causes water to split in half, and they walk through on dry ground. And as they're walking through, can you imagine that, that there's this huge wall of water? And if you stuck your finger in it, your finger would come out wet, but the water wouldn't close in on you. God will change reality. He'll change reality so that he can be a blessing to you if you belong to him. You don't believe me again. OK, all right. Well, how about this? How about the fact that Jesus knew that the only way you could be saved from your sin was that he had to die on the cross? He died on the cross. He was in the grave for three days. Have you ever known somebody be in the ground for three days and raise again from the dead? He will change reality to prove to you that that he's the one that has ordained the storm that you're going through. Not only will he come to your rescue, y'all, but he'll even change your reality. The thing that you think can never happen. None of them, none of those disciples ever in their wildest imagination could have ever imagined that Jesus, that anybody could walk on water. But Jesus, God will change reality to prove to you that he's with you. So why do I go through storms? Why me? Why do I have to go through storms? Because God wants to reveal himself to you in different ways. One of the ways is that he shows you he'll come to your rescue. Another way is he'll change your reality. Here's the next one. He will catch you when you are reeling. When you're reeling, he will catch you. Watch this. Verse verse 25, those of you who follow along, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. They uh, they, they, They cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, take courage. It's me. It's Jesus. Relax. Now, let me park right there for one minute and, and, just, and just insert this. What is it with us that we don't recognize God when he shows up? Keep in mind, not in another chapter of their life, in this chapter of their life, in Matthew chapter 14, in the 14th chapter of, of their lives, they saw Jesus feed 5,000, pe- 5,000 men, not including women and children, with two fish and five loaves of bread. They just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with a two-piece and a biscuit from Popeye's. And now in this same chapter, Jesus revealing himself in a new Walking on the water. And because they're expecting Jesus a certain kind of way, they don't they don't recognize Jesus off in the mist. I wonder what thing God is trying to do in your life right now. But you're so afraid of it because you don't recognize God in it. You have got to get to a point where you recognize when God is trying to move in your life, because if you're not if you're if you're not careful, You'll miss out on miraculous on on, on the on the ability to do miraculous things because you don't recognize God in it. They didn't recognize Jesus off in the distance. They just saw Jesus. They know what Jesus looks like. And let me stop right there for a minute. They know what Jesus looks like. Don't you know what Jesus looks like in your life? Can't you tell when God is trying to do something for you? If you cannot tell, because God is very specific, he he doesn't change. And his fingerprints are always the same when he's trying to do something in your life. But if you're not careful, you'll allow your fear to cloud your vision so that you can't see God moving. Now, keep in mind, they all out there in the middle of the 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 sea, like, oh, Lord, we're going to die. Where's Jesus at? Oh, Lord, we're going to die. And here comes Jesus coming down out of the mountain. And you don't recognize me when I show up to bring you deliverance? You don't recognize when I show up to give you your answer. Why? Because you're looking for me to come a certain way? Let me caution you. You ought to be looking for God in all ways. Just like Balaam. Balaam was Balaam was was on a road and God had to speak to Balaam through a donkey. Don't look for God to, to, to Balaam could not see angels standing in front of him because of his, because of because of the hardness of his heart. Because his vision had been clouded. If you're not careful, you'll be like Balaam in the Old Testament. When Balaam was headed somewhere and God was warning him not to go, God sent an angel and Balaam didn't see him. Sent another angel. Balaam didn't see him. So finally, God used the mouth of a donkey to speak to him. And let me tell you all this. I hope Pastor Bartlett don't get upset with this. But sometimes, listen, God will reveal himself all kinds of different ways. And don't look for him in any kind of way. Because sometimes God will use the mouth of a jackass to speak to you. So you're looking at somebody in your life, you're like, well, he's a jackass. Well, God used jackasses sometimes to speak his word. It doesn't matter where the word of God comes from. You need to make sure that you recognize God's word when it comes. And the disciples have been calling out to God. They've been asking God. They've been crying on that boat. Oh, we're going to die on this boat. And here comes Jesus and they don't recognize him. Y'all, you have got to be able to recognize God when he's moving. Here it is. Go to verse number 16. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Jesus said, calm down, it's me. Then Peter said this, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Watch this. And Jesus said, come. Peter steps out of the boat. He starts walking on the water towards Jesus. Now, there's two people that have ever walked on water, uh, Jesus and Peter. And here is Peter walking on water. And as I said before, when I have preached this text before, the thing I point out is Peter is in this text is walking on something that everybody else sinks in. Here is Peter walking on something that everybody else sinks in, but because of the way that his relationship with God is set up. Almost like Kevin Hart said, the way my, way my uh, bank account is set up, I got to check in and savings And the way his relationship with God is set up, that he can step out on stuff that should drown somebody, that somebody should start sinking in. God can give. I told you God to change reality because now now Peter is realizing that God has the ability to turn water into a sidewalk that not only will God do it for himself, he'll do it for me as well. And here's Peter walking on the water towards Jesus. What a wonderful and miraculous thing that God would allow Peter to walk on water. And here's the thing. Peter starts getting sidetracked. He's walking on the water towards Jesus. But the Bible says for some reason, Peter stops. He stops y'all. He stops looking at God. He's doing he's doing a miraculous thing. He's walking on something that he should sink in. He is living as a young black man married in this day and time, being faithful to his wife, going to work every day, taking care of his children. He's doing, he's doing stuff that others sink in. He's a young man that came from, he's a young man that came from a single parent household. His mother is raising him, but he's not in prison. He went on to college. He started a business. He's walking on stuff that other people sink in. Maybe he's been married for 30 years. In a time when people won't stay married for 30 minutes, you've been married for 30 years, and you are walking on stuff that other people sink in. You look around and say, how in the world are we still married with all the stuff that we've gone through? Because God has given you the ability to walk on stuff that you should sink in. Because God will change reality. But watch this. For some reason, Peter stops and starts taking a look around at what he's accomplishing. Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he looks down and around at the fact that he's walking on something that, should be, that he should be sinking in. And if you're not careful, you'll do the same thing Peter did. Instead of keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, you'll start looking around at all the stuff you've accomplished. If you're not careful, you'll start looking at the house you just bought. If you're not careful, you start looking at the cars you're buying. If you're not careful, you start looking at your bank account. You look at the fact that you got a ten thousand dollar a year raise on your job. If you're not careful, you start looking around at what you are accomplishing and taking your mind, taking your eyes off of Jesus. But keep this in mind: while Peter is walking on the water, the Bible never says the storm stopped. Hear what I'm saying to you. The Bible never says That the storm stopped. What it says is that Peter had enough faith in in God to step out of the boat and walk on the water, walk on the thing that others would have sank in. But the Bible never says that the storm stopped. Kendall, why are you telling me that? I'm telling you that because if you're not careful, when God starts to change your reality, when he makes your reality different, when he flips reality on top of his head so that he can show himself to you in another way. If you're not careful, when you get approved for a house that you know, you didn't qualify for, you won't let people come over. You won't let them walk around your house. You you tell them, take your shoes off at the door and they got to sit with their hands crossed. You know how we do. They got to sit with their legs crossed in front of me in your house. Well, forget this house. God is the one that gave you this house. You didn't qualify for this house. And if you're not careful, If you're not careful, you'll start doing what Peter did. You'll start looking around at all the things you are accomplishing, not remembering that it is God who is holding back the storm. The storm is still raging, even though God is allowing you to walk on stuff you should sink in. Are y'all catching this? If you're not careful, you'll start to think that it's you doing it and and not the fact that it's God doing it. If you're not careful, You'll start taking a victory lap when really what you should be doing is keeping your eyes on Jesus saying, Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing for me. I thank you for that raise on my job. I thank you for that new car I got outside. I thank you for that $12 I got in my checking account. If you're not careful, you'll start taking a victory lap and you'll do what Peter did. The Bible said that Peter started looking around and then look at verse number, uh, uh, look at verse number 28. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Verse number 30. But when the wind, but when he saw the wind, another translation says, when he saw the storm. When he saw the storm, he became afraid and started sinking. Now, I want you to catch this. God has allowed Peter to do something that is miraculous. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus, what you will see is the trouble that's been there the whole time. Because the Bible never says that when Peter started walking on water, that God stopped the storm. What the Bible says is that Peter walked on top of the storm, on top of the churning waves. And if you're not careful, you'll take your eyes off of Jesus. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you'll see everything going on around you. You'll start to see that your marriage ain't as good as you thought it was. You'll start to see that your that your health isn't as good as you thought it was. You'll start to see that maybe you aren't as secure in that job as you thought you were. But watch this. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, the Bible says that he began to sink. And I want to point something out to you that Peter starts sinking, y'all, as a fisherman. Hear me. Peter starts sinking as a fisherman. One translation says that Peter starts drowning. He's drowning now. He was doing an amazing thing. God had changed his reality, but now he's starting to sink. He's drowning, but he's a fisherman. Sometimes, if you're not careful, you'll take your eyes off of Jesus Then you'll realize that the storm is so bad around you that you will not think to do things that should come second nature to you. Peter is a fisherman. Peter's been in storms before. He knows how to swim. But something about this storm is causing Peter to drown in water. And if you're not careful when God changes your reality, y'all, you'll start taking that, as I said, taking that victory lap. Convincing yourself that you're accomplishing things that you really aren't. You're only accomplishing them because of the grace and the mercy of God. And then you'll begin to sink. And here's what's, this is what tripped me out about Peter, that Peter is a fisherman. He's not thinking to do something that should come second nature to a fisherman. A fisherman is not supposed to drown in water. You're a fisherman. You are a skilled swimmer. Why are you drowning? And that's what happens to some of us. That if we take our eyes off of Jesus, we won't think to do things that should come second nature to us as Christians. Praying and fasting should come second nature to you. But if you're not careful, you'll take your eyes off of Jesus and start looking at the trouble in your marriage. Instead of looking at Jesus, you'll start looking at the trouble on your job. And then you'll turn instead of turning your plate over and fasting and seeking the face of God and opening up your Bible and spending time with God. You're going to sit in front of the TV with a with with, with, with some uh with some Jack Daniels and a, and a little bit of coke in it. Make sure, you need to make sure that you stay connected, just as pathetic, stay connected to what this is not a point, but stay connected to what you know God has called you to. Stay connected to God. Watch this. When Peter recognizes that he started sinking, the Bible says. That uh, that in, in verse number 30, but when he saw the wind and the waves around him, uh he began he began sinking. But watch this. Look at verse 30. The Bible says that Peter said, Lord, save me, which is which is the third thing. He will catch you when you're reeling, because look what Jesus did. Verse number 31, the Bible says immediately Jesus reached down and caught him. He will catch you when you start reeling. Even though you should know better, you should not have gotten yourself into that situation. Sometimes the storm, only the storm can show you that God will catch you when you're reeling. When you feel like you're about to backslide, when you feel like you're about to go cheat on your wife, when you feel like you're about to go back to drinking alcohol, when you feel like you're about to go back to smoking weed, when you feel like you're about to choke somebody, God has the ability, when you start sinking, God has the ability to catch you when you begin reeling in your life. These are some of the things. This, this is the reason why God allows us to go through storms, because he wants to reveal some things to us. What are some of the things he reveals in Matthew chapter 14? That he will come to your rescue. That he will that He will change reality. That he will catch you reeling. And the last thing is, he'll give you a chance to repeat the feat. He'll give you a chance to repeat the feat. In this storm... Peter learned a very valuable lesson. First of all, Peter learned that God will come to my rescue. He also learned that God will change my reality. He let me walk on something I should sink in. He'll catch me if I start sinking in it. But then watch what Jesus did. He gave Peter a chance to repeat the feat, to repeat the amazing thing he was doing. Watch this. Uh, verse uh, Verse number 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. He said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Watch this. Verse number 32, they walked back to the boat and climbed in, and the wind died down. Don't miss it. They both walked back to the boat and climbed back in, and then the winds died down. The reason why I'm bringing that up, he will give you a chance to repeat the feat is because Peter was able to do something that was miraculous, walk on water, walk on something that everybody else sinks in. When Peter got beside himself, took his eyes off, Jesus started sinking. Jesus caught him when he was reeling. He picked him up out of that water. But watch this. He gave him another chance to walk on the water again, y'all. Only storms can teach us those kinds of things. Because sometimes in the storm, like Peter did, you act outside of your normal character. You'll cuss somebody out. You'll cut off a relationship uh, uh, with, with, without, without, you know, trying to work it out. You'll quit a job when you're angry. You will, uh, you'll throw something across the room while you're yelling at your wife. But God is so merciful that even when you start sinking and you start falling backwards and you start losing your footing, he will give you another chance, y'all, to repeat the feat. He did not pick Peter up and carry him to the boat. He said, "No, I'm going to pick you up out of what you're sinking in, and I'm going to let you walk yourself back to the boat. I'm going to let you I'm going to give you another chance to do it again." And if you are if you're looking at this Bible study tonight, I want I want to encourage you that if you've made storms, if you've made, excuse me, if you've made mistakes in this storm that you're in, If you have cussed some people out, you've said some things to your husband that you shouldn't have said. You've said some things to your mother or your children that you should not have said. You quit a job that you never should have quit. You, You left a relationship that you never should have left. I'm telling you, God, one of the ways he revealed himself to Peter in this text is that he'll give you another chance. He'll give you another chance to repeat the feat. So why me? Why do I have to go through storms? We go through storms because God wants to reveal himself to us. How are the ways that God revealed himself in Matthew chapter 14? That he will come to your rescue. That he will change your reality. That he will catch you when you're reeling. And he'll give you a chance to repeat the feat. Now watch this. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. When they got back to the boat, when they got back to the boat, the Bible said, that the wind died down that as soon as that as soon as Jesus got through making his point to his disciples after he got through revealing himself to them that he will come to their rescue that he will change their reality that he will catch them when they're reeling and that he will give them a chance to repeat the feat as soon as he proved his point to them the storm stopped and that's what you need to hold on to as soon as God is done revealing to you what he wants to reveal to you through this storm, the storm will stop. Storms never last always. They never last always. God always has a reason why he allows us to go through the storm. The question is, are you going to, are you going to connect yourself, keep your eyes on Jesus long enough to understand why you're going through this storm? because it's if you're in a storm right now those of you that are watching me if you're in a storm right now you're probably in that storm because God is trying to reveal himself to you in a new way because only storms only storm storms only storms reveal certain things you can't see the totality of who God is without going through a storm as we say all the time it's cliche but it's so true that there is no testimony without a test You cannot talk about you cannot talk about how there's an old song that said um, uh, if I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them? I wouldn't know what faith in God can do. So through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. I've learned to depend on his word. If I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve problems? If I never had marital trouble, how would I know that God can fix marriages? If I never got sick, how would I know that he's a healer? If I was never broke, how would I ever know that he could put food on my table? You have to go through the storm, y'all, so that God can reveal himself in new ways to you. And if you embrace the storm in that spirit, I believe that, I believe that you'll come through every storm of your life with a smile on your face because you understand that God will Come to your rescue, he'll change your reality, he'll catch you when you start reeling, and he'll give you another chance to repeat the feat. Um, I don't know if there's questions being asked on the uh, live stream or not, but we have about 10 minutes left, and so those of you that are on the live stream, if you have questions or comments, I will wait a second to give you all an opportunity to, um, uh, to ask some of those questions or make a comment um if this uh if this has blessed you if this has blessed you tonight, won't you share this? Share this on your social media timeline uh so that people know um so that people know what what's going on here at at Abundant Faith. Um and um uh, make sure you share this Bible study. I, I again want to thank um Pastor Barlow for giving me the opportunity to um uh, to share tonight. Um but those of you that if you have questions, I'm looking at um uh, I'm looking at the timeline now. And if you have questions or comments. Um, I see um, Tessa says that uh, she was right at the edge of breakthrough and couldn't see it. Um, And and that that's why it's so important that you got to you got to be able to recognize. Keep in mind in this text, Tessa, I hope that you're still here in this text. The disciples know what Jesus looks like. If you are a child of God, you know what Jesus looks like. So don't let your fear don't let don't let the fact that you're in the middle of a storm in the middle of. Something deep in the middle of the night. Don't let fear cause you to forget everything that you know about Christ, everything that you know about God. Because they just saw Jesus feed five thousand people. They should not have been that shocked when Jesus came walking on water. Now I know it's an amazing thing, but they had to say, "Well, only man, that's got to be Jesus. Can't nobody else walk on water?" You got. You can't get right to the end of your uh, right to the end of your breakthrough, and then give up. Let's see if anybody else uh, said anything. Okay. Um, Okay. Uh, um, First Lady Bartlett said it confirms some things in her life. Well, praise God for that. Praise God for that. Y'all, if there's not any other comments, I just want to remind you guys, Why Me is the series that Pastor Bartlett is in. Why Me? And then why do I have to go through storms? Well, one of the reasons why you go through storms is because God wants to reveal himself to you. Well, how did God reveal himself in Matthew chapter 14? We talked about that. He wanted to reveal himself to his disciples to show them that he'll come to their rescue. He'll change their he'll change your reality in the middle of your storm. He'll catch you when you start reeling in your storm. He'll catch you and he'll give you a chance to repeat the feat. All right. Hopefully that's been a blessing to you all tonight. Um, Be encouraged. It's going to be all right. Storms are a part of God's. It's a part of him showing us how much he loves us and how much he's in tune with us, and how much he cares. And I know it seems like that doesn't make sense, but if you think about it, you got some raggedy friend that you thought was a good friend until you went through a storm in your life, and then you found out that they weren't such a good friend. Now, you would have never known that had you not gone through the storm. Storms reveal things that sunshine just won't. Sunshine reveals certain things, but then storms reveals others. So why me? Got to go through storms. Got to go through storms. Got to go through storms so that God can show me a new aspect of who he is. And last thing is, if God starts showing you new aspects of who he is, he really cares about you. If God puts you in a storm, it's because he cares, because he's seeking. Watch this. The five thousand didn't get a chance to see Jesus walk on water. Only those that were close to Jesus, only his disciples, those that are close to him. Only those that that were close to Jesus got an opportunity to see this man walk on water. So hold on to that. If God has me in a storm, it's because he cares enough about me that that he wants to show me another side of him. Another side of him. If you woke up every day for a million days, God could show you a million different ways of who he is. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there are angels that fly around the throne of God for all eternity, and they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is, was, and is to come. And theologians suggest that the reason why they do that is because every time those angels fly past the throne of God, that they look in God's face and see another revelation of who he is, and they fly around and say, holy, holy, holy. If God is trying to reveal himself to you, it's because he considers you a friend. You should embrace that and trust God in the storm. God bless you. I hope that that was an encouragement to you all tonight. Um, I don't see any other specific comments in here. Um, someone said that uh, the storms help us grow, and that's true as well. Um, so be encouraged, uh, Abundant Faith. I love y'all. I miss y'all, Abundant Faith. I got to get over here and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and come and spend some time with y'all, and we can all get back together. But uh, y'all know I'm an honorary member of Abundant Faith. Uh, y'all can't get rid of me. Uh, I'm I'm here, right? So um let's pray as we as we get ready to close out tonight. God, we thank you for the revelation and the understanding that if you put me in a storm, it's because you want to show me yourself. Oh God, thank you for storms. As hard as they may be, God, thank you for storms. As difficult as they may be, God, thank you for storms. Because the storms are what draw me close to you. The storms, God, are what helps me see a new side of you. So, God, I pray, God, that everybody that's going through a storm right now, God, I pray, God, that you will remind them that you'll come to their rescue, that they'll change their reality, that you'll catch them when they're reeling, God, and that you'll give them another chance to repeat their feet. God, I promise that you will do that for them, God. I pray that, that somebody who's been in a storm for a long time, God, I pray that you'll cause the storm to cease for them. In the name of Jesus, God, somebody's marriage is hanging on by a thread, God. And I pray that you will cause the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to come over that house in the name of Jesus. Somebody is fighting for their health. Somebody is fighting for their job. They're worried about whether or not they're going to keep their position. God, I pray that you will cause that company to be blessed simply because one of your children is attached to it. And I know you can do it because you've done it for me many times. God, I pray that you'll do it for your people, God as we leave this um, this digital Bible study, God, but never from your presence. God, I pray that you'll protect all of us, God. Keep the hand of sickness away, God. Keep COVID-19 at bay. Keep it away from me and my family and my house, God. Let us be healthy and strong. And, God, I pray, God, that when the time is right, that you'll bring us all back together so that we can worship worship you and lift your name. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Good night.
0: I don't don't know if y'all heard anything I just said. All right, so uh, we're gonna continue. We got uh, probably about two weeks left of of uh, why we go through storms. Uh, With our overall theme being why me, Uh, why we go through storms. We got about two weeks left of that. Uh, This week, y'all got enough to get you through. All right, you got enough to get you through. Uh, You got enough to make it through the week. So. Uh, We would ask that God dismiss us from this study, but never from his sight. I'll be right back here Sunday morning at 10 a.m., right back again next Wednesday at 7 p.m. We can't wait to see you. Y'all be blessed. Make sure y'all share. uh, Make sure y'all share Flood Pastor Wyatt's inbox uh, and tell him how much he blessed you tonight. Uh, And and y'all be blessed for the rest of the week. All right. God bless you. God keep you.